When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Ghost Stories and Tales of the Macabre. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and it's great to have you with us today. 1001 Ghost Stories is a collection of both my readings and others, mainly from old-time radio, and many are fully dramatized. We also cover a wide range of stories from the Victorian era to the present. If you enjoy our selections, we always appreciate reviews for 1001 Ghost Stories and Tales of the Macabre. Enjoy! The Lamp by Agatha Christie, dramatised for radio by Patricia Mays, and starring Judy Cornwall as Mrs Lancaster and Timothy Bateson as Mr Windburn. Good morning, madam. Good morning. My name is Mr Radnor. I'm the senior partner. Can I help you? I'm looking for a property in the area. Of course. I'm sure we shall be able to help you. Please sit down, Mrs... Um... Mrs Lancaster. Please, please, ma'am. Thank you. Now, a large or small property, madam? We have a wide range on our books. Um, not too small, you understand. And then again, not too large. Uh, preferably with a reasonable rent. Mm-hmm. Reasonable rent, you say? Um, yes, that would be my preference. See? Now, let me see. Well, we do have 19 Willow Square... It's a very charming residence of medium size. Its rent, too, is very reasonable. It's on three floors with two or three attics. You don't have to use them all, of course. The, uh, the drawing room downstairs is spacious with a delightful aspect across the square. How many bedrooms? Uh, three of adequate size, and one of the attic rooms has served for a bedroom in the past, I understand. How many uh, servants have you, madam, if you don't mind me asking? One. Only the one. Hmm. Well, I... Um... I think 19 Willow Square would be very acceptable in the circumstances. So, here are the details. Yes, the rent is very good, as you say. Still, I would like to see some others, if I may. Mm, of course, ma'am, of course. Um, now these are mainly larger properties, of course, and it's possible the rent might be too much, I don't know. Um, 21 Rapier Court? That would be too expensive. Mm-hmm. And there's... Um, 53 Edinburgh Avenue. Uh, that's a nice little house, recently come on the market. Hmm. It's still a little on the expensive side. <laughs> well, well, in all honesty, madam, I think you would be well advised to allow me to take you to see 19 Willow Square. I'm sure you'll find it most acceptable.
kindly step inside, Mrs. Lancaster. Smells a little musty, of course. Of course. The staircase comes right down into the front room. How nice. It's very impressive, Mr. Radner. Hmm, I thought you'd like it. Now, um, where would you like to start? The bedrooms, I think. Right. We'll work our way down. Very sensible. Shall I uh, lead the way? Mm. Yes. Very nice. Very spacious. Tell me, Mr. Ratner, what is the matter with the house? Matter, Mrs. Lancaster? Yes, what's wrong with it? Well, of course, an unfurnished house is always a little gloomy. Nonsense. The rent is ridiculously low for such a house. Merely nominal. There must be some reason for it. <laughs> the house isn't haunted, is it? Haunted? Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, that is foolish. <laughs> I, I don't believe in ghosts or anything of that sort, and personally it's no deterrent to my taking the house. But servants, unfortunately, are very credulous and easily frightened. It would be kind of you to tell me exactly what thing is supposed to haunt this place. Well, I, uh, really, Mrs. Lancaster, I don't know. I am sure you do. I cannot take this house without knowing. What was it? A murder? Good heavens, no, no. Nothing like that. Well, then, Mr. Radner, what does haunt this house? It's, um, only a child. A child? Yes. Go on. I, I don't know the story exactly. Of course, there are all sorts of different versions, but, um, I believe about 30 years ago, a man by the name of Williams took this house. Nothing was known of him. He kept no servants. He had no friends. He seldom went out in the daytime. He had only one child, a little boy. Now, one day, after he'd been here for two months, he went up to London. He'd hardly set foot in the metropolis before he was recognised as being a man wanted by the police on some charge. Exactly what, I, I don't know. Yeah. But it must have been a grave one, because sooner than give himself up, he shot himself. Oh. Meanwhile, the child lived on here, alone, in the house. He had food for a little time, and he waited day after day for his father to return. Of course, he did not do so. And, unfortunately, it had been impressed upon him that he was never, under any circumstances, to go out of the house or to speak to anyone. He was a weak, ailing little creature, and... Uh, he did not dream of disobeying this command. In the night, the neighbours, not knowing that his father had gone away, often heard him sobbing in the awful loneliness and desolation of this empty house. And... And? He starved to death. Oh, that is a terrible story. And it's the child's ghost that is supposed to haunt the place? Well, it's, it's nothing of consequence, really. I mean, 
No one ever sees anything. Nothing's seen, you understand. But, uh, but some do say that they, that they hear the child. Um, crying, you know. I like the house very much, Mr. Radner. I shall get nothing as good for the price. I am a widow, you see. Oh, I, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, and my elderly father and small son live with me. I will think it over and let you know. room's looking cheerful already, isn't it, Father? Transformed, my dear. Here you are, look, I've uh, made you a cup of tea. Mm. Oh, thank you. <gasps> I need it. <laughs> oh. oh, that's good. Hot and sweet, just as I like it. I think the Indian carpet should go in this room, don't you? Oh, as you wish. You know you have exquisite taste. Uh, you'll transform this gloomy old house into a magic grotto in no time, I've no doubt. A gift I inherited from you and Mama. Uh, Sit down. You must be tired. Yes. I will for a moment. Oh, those stairs, I fear. Not as young as I was. Hmm? By the time you finish with this place... No one will think it's haunted. Papa, please, hmm? not on our first day. Well, all right. We'll agree there are no such things as ghosts. If you would, especially in front of Geoffrey. You know what an imagination he has, and he mustn't get excited. He's been much better of late, and the colours returned to his cheeks. Listen, listen. What? Footsteps. Can't you hear them? I can't hear anything. Shh. It's the rain on the window. <laughs> oh, you are dreadful, Papa. Oh, for a moment I thought... Oh, well, never mind. Now, where is Geoffrey? He's been quiet for too long. I hope Jane's with him. And, and don't you dare play another trick like that on me again. Huh? <laughs> Geoffrey! Geoffrey! He's been having one big adventure up there. Oh, I hope he hasn't caught a chill in those empty bedrooms. Valerie, don't worry so much. You make yourself ill. There'll be more room for him in this house. All the nooks and crannies are filled with excitement for a, an inquisitive young boy. That's it, Geoffrey. Come along. Ah, there you are, Geoffrey. Now, you sit on that chest. Uh... What's the matter, Grandfather? <laughs> oh, uh, nothing, my dear, nothing. It must have been the rain, I heard. But I, I could have sworn. Now, Geoffrey, would you like a scone? I'm looking at the sponge cake. Don't you want a scone first? A piece of sponge cake, please. Very well. Here, I'll cut a slice for you, my boy. Hmm. What have you been doing upstairs? And where's Jane? She's busy sorting out things in my room. I hope you're not getting in her way. No, Mummy. Do you like your room? Oh, yes. 
this. It's lovely. So you're pleased with your new home, are you? Yeah, there's your cake. Thank you. Oh, yes, I like it lots. There are at least two separate attics up there, and Jane says I can go and explore them tomorrow. Well, I don't know about that. Oh, please, Mummy. Not on your own. Jane will come with me, and there's a secret door. Is there now? Jane says there isn't, but I think there must be. And anyhow, I know there'd be pipes, water pipes, and I can play with them and listen to the water gurgle along them and I can go and see the boiler. Oh, <laughs> goodness sake, Geoffrey, take a breath. Jane has promised you an awful lot without consulting no me. No harm can come of it, Valerie. Thank you, Grandfather. You encourage him. But he's a boy. All boys have adventurous natures. Otherwise, they wouldn't be boys. Eh? <laughs> we'll talk about attics tomorrow. Now. Eat your tea, and together we can get this room straightened out before it gets dark. What's that? What, Grandfather? Please, remember what I told you. <laughs> oh, yes, nothing, my boy, just, just the rain. I, I think it was the rain. What's happening? Where am I? What city is this? Where is he? Have you brought him? No. No, I'm sorry. I have not. <laughs> oh, my God! Where am I? Oh, <laughs> it's a dream. Only a, a dream. What's that? Geoffrey? Is that you crying? His room's below mine, but the sound... The sound came from the room above. Papa? Papa, dear? Hmm? Uh, yes? You're not eating your breakfast. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. Mine's wandering. Listen to the wind. Quite a change in the weather. Did you sleep well last night, Geoffrey? Yes, Mummy. Don't eat your breakfast so fast, Geoffrey. You're not something out of the zoo. No, Mummy. Oh, just hearing that wind blowing in the chimney. Are you sure you're all right, Papa? 
Yes. Yes, thank you. Your breakfast is stone cold. You haven't eaten a thing. Oh, oh I'm sorry, my dear, but I'm, I'm not very hungry. <laughs> Listen. I hope you're not sickening for something, Papa. You know what I think? I think you did too much yesterday. I think you should rest all today and do absolutely nothing. Jane and I can manage... Be quiet! Papa, what is it? You frightened us. Uh, uh, What? It's all right, Grandfather. There's nothing to worry about. Oh, (laughs) I am sorry. Forgive me. There's nothing. Honestly, it... It was nothing. You're right. I'll take things easier today. Geoffrey, have you seen Grandfather anywhere? No, Mummy. Oh, perhaps he's lying down. I won't disturb him with ears. What are you doing? Looking out of the window. Oh, can't you find something more interesting to do than that? I'm bored. Well, why don't you get me one of your books and let me hear you read? I don't want to. I'd wish you'd let me play with the little boy. Which little boy, dear? I don't know his name. He was in the attic, sitting on the floor, crying. But he ran away when he saw me. I suppose he was shy. And then when I was in the playroom, building a house with my bricks, I saw him standing by the door, watching me. What are you saying, dear? I looked straight at him and said, come and help me. But he didn't say anything. And then when I asked Jane who he was and told her I wanted to play with him, she said there wasn't a boy in the house and not to tell lies. I don't love Jane anymore. Jane was right. There is no little boy. But I saw him. Oh, Mummy, do let me play with him. He looks so lonely and unhappy, like I must have been just now. Geoffrey. Oh, Papa, you startled me. I, I didn't hear you come down. That poor little boy is lonely. And perhaps you can do something to comfort him. But you must find out how by yourself. Like a puzzle, do you see? Geoffrey, I think you'd better go upstairs and find Jane. It's time you washed, ready for tea. Oh, all right. Papa, this is absurd, Mm. and it has to stop. What are you talking about, Valerie? Encouraging him to believe the idle tales of servants. No servant has told the child anything, Valerie. That boy has seen what I hear. What you're saying is ridiculous. Is it? Of course it is. Why don't I see or hear it then? Do you remember these words? What lamp has destiny to guide her little children stumbling in the dark? A blind understanding, Evan replied. Don't you see? Geoffrey has that. A blind understanding. It is only as we grow older that we lose it. We cast it away from us. Sometimes when we are quite old, a faint gleam comes back to us, but the lamp burns brightest in childhood. That is why I think Geoffrey may help. I don't pretend to understand. Oh, no more do I. That ghost child 
for that is what it is, is in trouble and wants to be set free. How? I do not know. It's awful to think of it, sobbing its heart out. A child. The doctor will tell us after he's examined him, Valerie. But I want to know. It's been three days now and he doesn't seem to be getting any better. I'll be with you in one moment, Mrs Lancaster. He's feverish and he keeps gasping for air. Then he'll sleep peacefully. Please, Mrs Lancaster, I'm trying to listen to his lungs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There, there, my dear. Geoffrey will be all right. He's never been strong. He's like his father. He suffered with a weak chest, too. He caught a chill and it turned into bronchitis. And... Yeah, there, there. Uh, he's not responding to any medication, I'm afraid. Oh, no. I think we should try to get him into hospital. Oh, is that necessary? No, it's the best place for him, Valerie. Um, may I speak to you privately, Mr. Winburn? Oh, of course. Shall we go downstairs? Oh, excuse us, please, Mrs. Langston. Uh, this way. Thank you. Well, Doctor, you can tell me the truth. I understand your grandson has a history of lung trouble. Yeah. Almost from birth. I'm afraid so, yes. My daughter has always had to protect him from uh, colds and chills. Yeah. I'm afraid he has an infection in both lungs. Unfortunately, he hasn't the constitution to withstand it. I see. What are you saying, Doctor? That even if I get him into hospital, there's very little chance that the boy will live. I'm very sorry. Excuse me for saying this, but um, are you certain? Mr. Winburn, you're perfectly free to consult another doctor at the hospital when we get him there, but... In my opinion, his case is hopeless. I would be failing in my duty if I held out any false hopes. One lung is on the point of collapse. In a short time, the other will be the same. He cannot take the strain, you see. Yeah. <laughs> How do I tell my daughter? You can see the state she's in. I don't know, Mr. Winburn. I honestly don't know. Deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. I do want to help him get away. I, I do. Jeffrey, I do. Jeffrey, please. I do. I do. What's that? Someone crying. Child. Crying. But who is it? Who's there? 
Valerie. What? What's wrong? He cried out. Geoffrey cried out. Excuse me, Mrs. Lancaster. Suddenly sat up and cried out, and then... And then? I heard. He's delirious. His breathing's becoming shallower, too. What can we do? For the moment, wait. I'll go to the hospital and arrange for an ambulance. I'll see you out. No, Mr. Winburn. Stay here, please. I won't be long. He's going to die, isn't he? No, my dear, no. Yes, he is. Just like his father. I shall sit here and I shall watch him die. Please, Valerie. You must have hope. son. Fight. Fight to live. Want to live, Geoffrey. What is it? Are you in pain? Geoffrey? Geoffrey, what are you doing? You, you mustn't sit up. I'm coming. I'm coming. What did you say? <laughs> Someone's coming up the stairs. What? He's coming upstairs. The child. The child. Oh, he's here. In this room. The child is in this room. Papa! Shh, don't move. Come away from the door. Let them go. Let them go? Oh, there are two of them? Two? Yes, dear. Two children. Now. Jeffrey. Don't look. He's gone. Can't you hear? Silence. Nothing but silence. going to the freezer shop. Sorry. Well, you said you were going to come and help me. I've got some urgent work to do. Work? It's Saturday morning. I know, but there's been a large insurance claim, and I have to work out the details before Monday. It's very complicated. Then why aren't you at the office dealing with it? What's the matter? 
We don't seem to do anything together anymore. Please try and understand. Understand? It's always me that has to try and understand. Well, why not ask that lazy son of yours? Where is he? Why can't he help you? Because you said you were coming. It was all arranged. Well, now I'm not. So ask that bloody lazy son of mine to get off his backside and work up a sweat Hello. and... Hello. Talking about me again, I see. Yes. Help your mother with the shopping so I can get some peace. I thought you were going. Well, I'm not going now. I have work to do. To pay the mortgage, the bank loan on the car and the holiday. We're all, I repeat, all taking at the end of the month. There's no need to take it out on Jack. Nineteen and he hasn't done a decent day's work in his life. Because he's studying. Drama? My God. Why doesn't he study for something useful? Oh, it's easy to sneer at someone because they want to do something different from a pen pusher like you. Pen pusher? Is that all you think of me, a pen pusher? Well, let me tell you something, Francis. I've managed to put a roof over your head and decent clothes on your back for the last 25 years. Pen pusher I may be, but at least I can walk down this road with some respect. Bloody pen pusher. God, you bitch. I didn't mean that. He knows you didn't. It's not just about coming out shopping. I know. Yeah, well, will you come with me and give me a hand instead? Of course. I'll just go up and change. Mum? Yeah? Everything between you and Dad is, um, well, all right, isn't it? In spite of everything. You wouldn't think so just now, would you? Everyone has arguments, especially married people. And especially when they've been married for 25 years. Is that it, then? No. The relationship changes. Maybe you take each other for granted. You get on each other's nerves. I don't even know whether you expect more from each other or less. I suppose 25 years is a peculiar time for a marriage. It's when being taken for granted begins to establish itself. It's when big rows materialise over little things. It's when the children are grown up and all that's left... Is dead. Oh, I didn't mean it to sound like that. No, you suddenly find that you've come full circle. You're on your own again. The two of you as it was when you started. And instead of fighting and working hard for something, you have to be content with what you've got, what you've achieved. And Dad hasn't achieved very much. Is that what you think? Well, it doesn't matter what I think. It's what you think, isn't it? Do you think he's a bit of a failure? No. Oh, no, I don't. I, I just think... Yes? Well, I shouldn't be saying this. Maybe I'm being unfair, but I think he's become rather boring. And I expect I seem the same to him. I'm dreading the day he retires. Maybe he'll change. Maybe he'll become more boring, like our next-door neighbours. Since he's retired, they do nothing but quarrel. Haven't you heard them through the walls? Quite often, yes. Their bedroom is next to mine, remember? Oh, and you know what I mean. Maybe I'm the problem. What do you mean? Well, the, the fact that I'm at drama school, not earning, maybe the pressure... Don't be silly. The thought of having an actor in the family is the only bit of excitement I can look forward to. An out-of-work actor in the family? Now don't be silly, Jack. You're like me. You've got your mother's drive and initiative. OK. 
I'll become a star just for you. To be or not to be, that is the question. That's not mum and dad, surely. To suffer the slings and arrows of our great... Oh, God, they're at it next door now. Listen to them. What's the point of getting married if it ends up like that? Doesn't have to end up like that, though, does it? Surely not. I can't believe that all marriages have to end up like that. Good night, Jack. Night, Mum. They're at it again. And how? Your father's asleep. Yes, I heard him come up. Good night, dear. Night, Mum. I'll never get married. My God, he can't have... Perhaps if I put my ear to the wall... Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Ah, there you are, Jack. Toast getting cold. Has Dad gone? Yes, it's up past eight. Let's hope the train's on time. He's not in a very good mood this morning. Why? I wanted to talk to him. What about? Next door. What do you mean? Well... They were rowing hammer and tongs last night. Well, you heard them. As I went to bed, yes. I heard Mrs. Watson scream. Yes, screaming at Morris. No, it wasn't. Well, let me put it this way. I thought it was at the time, but I don't think it was. I'm sorry, but I don't know what you're talking about. Last night, the Watsons were having one God Almighty row. Yeah. They were calling each other names. Well, that's normal. Then Mrs. Watson screamed and there was a silence. To the relief of the neighbours, yes. Now, Mum, I don't want you to laugh or put it down to my sense of theatre, but this morning when I was dressing, I just happened to look outside to see what the weather was doing. It was raining. That's right. And I saw Mr. Watson digging in the garden. Mr. Watson never digs in the garden. Precisely. Whereabouts? Close to the house near our fence. Well, why would he dig there? He hates gardening. Well, even if he loved gardening, have you ever seen the most avid gardener digging in the rain? Jack, what are you trying to say? What do you think I'm trying to say? It's ridiculous. It all adds up, Mum. But no, Jack, I won't believe it. I heard her scream. I think something awful's happened next door. Well, what do you think we ought to do? Mother, for heaven's sake, what do you think we ought to do? You mean... You mean the police? Well, who else would you go and see? Well, without your father say so. But he's not here, is he? Well, supposing it was nothing. Supposing it was all your imagination. Then no harm's done. We'd make ourselves look foolish. I heard them rowing, Mum. I heard her scream. Then there was nothing. Now, this morning, he's out there burying her. Well, you don't know that. Now, Jack, you don't know that. No, but it looks pretty suspicious to me. Oh, can't we wait and I'll phone your father at the office? By then it might be too late. He might have gone off somewhere, abroad. In an hour? Well, maybe he was planning it all along. 
Maybe it wasn't a crime committed on the spur of the moment. Maybe he already has his plane ticket for South America. Jack, this is madness. You're over-dramatising everything like you always do. Then I'll go and see the police. Well, don't blame me if your father's furious. I've never been so embarrassed in all my life. He's apologised, Edward. Let's forget it. Apology? And do you think that's enough? I can't think what else I can say. Oh, you can't, eh? Well, I can, Jack. You can go and apologise to the Watsons next door for a start. And then the police. But, Dad... You're a menace, Jack. Do you know that? You're one great bloody disaster area. And what are the neighbours going to think? And you're just as bad, Francis. Oh, it's my fault. It had to be my fault. To be taken in by his theatrical imagination, yes, his macabre imagination. Murder, indeed. Bodies buried in the garden. I mean, Francis, I did credit you with a bit more common sense. If it had been true, I suppose I would have been accused of being inept. But it wasn't true, was it? Instead, the whole thing is a Bloody great embarrassment in the local paper, no doubt. Pictures of the so-called murdered wife laughing her bloody head off. She screamed. Because she fell. She's in bed now with a broken ankle. And, in a fit of remorse, Morris is at last doing something about the garden. In the rain? To make amends, yes. Maybe you could take a leaf out of his book. Listen, you. You're a bloody lazy good-for-nothing. Thank God, we're going on holiday to get away from all this embarrassment. And when we come back, you're going to leave that drama school and you're going to look for a job. You can't get a job today. We're in a depression. And you're the cause of it. You're going out looking for a decent job, a real job. You're going to give up all this pretense of being a bloody actor. Pretense? I convinced Mother... This isn't funny, Jack. Are you siding with him? I'm not taking any sides, but I do agree with your father that it's made us the laughing stock of the street and ruin whatever relationship we have with them next door. We never had a relationship with them next door. You've never been in there and they've never been in here. They're strangers like everyone around here. They're strangers like us. Just our bloody luck. What's that, dear? Fog. There's something wonderful and mysterious about fog at sea. Oh, you're a romantic. That's the trouble with you. Well, nothing wrong with that, surely. Oh, I hope it clears soon. This is one of the busiest parts of the channel. That's right, Edward. Get me all tensed up. For God's sake, Francis, shut up. You're such an unfeeling man. No wonder Jack doesn't like you. Well, after his recent escapade with the police and our imaginary murderous next-door neighbours, I couldn't give a fig what he thinks of me. I'm determined not to be drawn, Edward. I'm going to enjoy my holiday, even if you're not. That is, if we ever get to see France through this mist. I'm a romantic, and you're a pessimist. I've come to the conclusion, Edward, that I don't think you like anyone enjoying themselves. I do if they allow me to enjoy myself. And we all know what that means, letting you have your own way. You're childish, too, at times. You really are. I'm going down to the restaurant. I'd like a coffee. Coming? In a minute. It's cold up here. Don't be long. My God, Francis. If I had the nerve, I'd push you right over the side now and watch you go under. 
No, Edward, no, you don't mean that. Yes, I do, yes. Sometimes I could, I could quite easily. Mind you, I suppose she could do that to me sometimes. Dad. Oh, Jack, it's you. I was wondering where you'd got to. Well, as you can see, I'm here. Where's Mum? She's gone to get a coffee. That's where I shall go now. Look, while we're on holiday, isn't there a chance of forgetting about... Well, you know. Not easily, Jack, no. But in the cause of peace, I shall try. Thanks. And then, when we get back home, we'll return to normal, eh? Oh, come on, Dad. What if it had been true? What if it had been true and I'd done absolutely nothing? Wouldn't we have looked equally foolish? I'll see you downstairs in the restaurant. Don't let's talk about it, Jack. We're on holiday. My God. Sometimes I think... Sometimes I could push that arrogant little man into the sea and just... Oh, no, Jack, you mustn't talk like that. You don't mean it. He's your father, after all. Mother's weak, of course. She gives in to him. Gives in to his boorish ways. She can be a pain in the neck, too, if it comes to... Oh, stop it, Jack. It's called <laughs> early morning fog. What? Oh, did I startle you? Uh, yes, I, I didn't hear you come up behind me. Sorry. I said it was early morning fog. It's going to turn out a nice day later on. You mark my words. I saw you looking into the water. You seen my wife? Your wife? Um, no, I haven't seen anyone. I, I think I'm the only one on deck. It's just that I saw you leaning over the side, so I thought you might have seen my wife. Uh, no, no, I haven't. Good. I expect she's sunk, then. I was afraid she might have bobbed up like a balloon. Now, let's see. Ah. <coughs> no, 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 you're right. <laughs> Not a sign of anyone. Mind you, I didn't think she would bob up and down, but you never know with a strong-minded woman like Annabelle. Annabelle? My wife. I couldn't stand her any longer. So I brought her on this boat trip and pushed her overboard. I felt a bit sick afterwards, so I uh, rested in the cabin. And suddenly I was afraid in case you might bob up again. Whew. Let me tell you something, young man. Never get married. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're not even... No, no, I'm, I'm only 19. <laughs> well, caught you just in time, then. Are you on this boat by yourself? Uh, no, no, I'm with my parents. Uh, no girlfriend? No. Well, not at the moment. Don't blame your... Women are unnatural, aren't they? Hmm? Well, their minds don't work. That's the trouble. They just have feelings. Do you know, before she came on board, Annabelle said to me, you're going to try to get rid of me. I feel it in my bones. Well, I ask you, how could she know? Unnatural. Anyway, I did more than try. I did get rid of her. Oh, she was fat, Annabelle. She was enormous. <laughs> That's why she sang. Do you know why wives are fat and girlfriends mostly slim? Uh, no, why? Because wives relax. They've got their man, they're secure for life, they have an income without work. Take Annabelle, for instance. Beautiful girl when she was young. Loved her. Oh, yes. Oh, I really loved her. She was affectionate. Aimed to please. 
but once she had that ring on her finger and a house to sit in, she just... Well, she just sat. Sat, ate chocolates, read cheap novels and watched television. And when she wasn't doing any of those things, she twittered on and on and on. Look, I hope you don't mind me saying this. What? Well, <laughs> you are pulling my leg, aren't you? What about? Annabelle twittering? No, no, I, I meant about you pushing her overboard. Hear that? Yes. Well, that's just how Annabelle used to sound. That's right, just like a seagull. There's this great big body, and out comes a voice like... Pardon? It's her. My God, it's Annabelle. Gregory, there you are. Annabelle, you're dead. So are you. What? I've poisoned your coffee before you drowned yeah. me. You're lying dead in our cabin at this moment. Only you're so insensitive you don't realise it. And who's this young man? What's your name? Jack. Then you can see me, Jack. Well, of course I can see you. You must be sadly. Gregory, we must wander around the ship and find out who can see us and who can't. That way we can separate the plant hoppers from the sensitives. But the, how the hell did you get out of the water? I didn't. That is, my body didn't. But I'm here. You really are dead, Gregory. Otherwise you wouldn't be able to see me, you being one of the plant hoppers. If you don't believe me, go along to your cabin and see yourself. Well, I did lie down in the cabin for a while, feeling a bit sick. Well, then I pulled myself together and came up here. You pulled yourself together, dead, and came out of your body, just uh, as I did. Go along and look, if you don't believe me. Excuse me a minute, Jack. <laughs> Poor old Gregory. You see, Jack, I had a feeling he was planning to kill me. Felt it in my bones. But I went on being sensitive, like you. You're sensitive, aren't you, Jack? Anyway, I decided that if he could be so, so selfish and unfriendly as to kill me, I'd do the same to him, tit for tat. Now he's lost his own life and still hasn't got rid of me. We'll be bound together for all eternity. The couple who did each other in. What closer bond could you get? But I'll try to be nicer to him now. Bygones and all that. Now, Jack, what do you think of all this? Well, um, I think that the rocking of the boat and probably a lot of duty-free booze has made you and your husband have delusions. A sort of shared DTs. DTs? Yes, it means delirium tremens. Alcoholics have it. They see things that aren't there, like... <gasps> green and pink elephants and whatnot. <laughs> now, now, you may have wanted to murder each other, but you obviously didn't, otherwise you wouldn't be here. That's what I think. Oh, you poor dear little soul. Here you are, psychic as they come, communing with a couple of ghosts, and you don't even realise it. I expect a lot of people you've talked to during your life have been ghosts, and you simply haven't known it. Oh, well. You know what I shall enjoy most about being a ghost? No, what? The sheer convenience of it all. I can visit other people's homes without them knowing, travel the world without it costing a penny. The sheer freedom of it all appeals enormously to me. Ah, here's Gregory. The cabin's empty. That means you must have been found while you were up here talking to this young man and put wherever they put dead bodies on a ship. 
And where would that be? Do you know Jack? Um, no, sorry, haven't got a clue. I tell you what, Gregory, we'll have an invisible walk about the ship and see if we can find you. Oh. What do you say, Jack? Want to come with us? Look, I suggest you both go to the restaurant, sit down and order yourself some strong black coffee. You don't believe any of this, do you? He doesn't believe we're ghosts, Gregory. He thinks we're suffering from DTs. What? He thinks we're hallucinating. I think you've had a jolly good fight, rather like my parents do. But you've also got yourselves totally drunk and perhaps you feel seasick as well. That's why you're here. You're probably feeling absolutely dreadful. Well, speaking for myself, I never felt better in my life. Well, then I think you should make it up. You can't go on quarrelling forever. The child's right, Gregory. But I can't stand her. Oh, come on, Gregory. We're going to be together forever now, you oh. know. So it's to our advantage to be friends. Look... Let me start by saying I apologise for poisoning you. There. You see, it's easy. Oh, all right. I apologise, Annabelle, for drowning you. Actually, I was a bit sorry afterwards. Now shake hands. That's right. Now go back to your cabin and sleep it off. Look, the fog's clearing. He still doesn't believe us. <laughs> Ooh, the sea's getting a bit of a swell on it. The rest of the crossing's going to be rough. I feel it in my bones. Yes, well, I, I think I'll go downstairs too. I'm, I'm beginning to feel a bit... Uh... Sick. <laughs> yes, that's right. Just a bit. Excuse me. Jack, you look pale. You all right? It's got rather rough, hasn't it? I'll be all right. You'll get used to the motion. Have a sip of water, dear. There's a biscuit there if you want one. No, thanks, Mum. Just try to relax. It's the tension that does it. Who are you waving to, Jack? Well, just a couple I met on deck earlier on. I don't know their surname. What couple do you mean, dear? Over there, by the door. I think I'll have another drink. Same for you, Francis. Your father's in a generous mood. I think we're going to have a good holiday, Jack. I don't know what's brought it on. Well, probably what I heard the barman telling someone. One of the passengers has just died of food poisoning and his wife's missing too. They fear she may have fallen overboard. What? Dad, are you sure? Well, I got to thinking that life's rather short and unpredictable when you come to think about it. And when I heard this poor couple, probably like us, just starting on the holiday. Well, I suppose our lives have been getting into a rut. Will you tell me something? Please. What's the matter? Can you see them? Who did? The man with the moustache and the rather fat lady in the blue dress. The table to the left of the main door. <laughs> you feel all right, Jack. Can you see them? The table's empty, dear. Are you sure? Of course. What's the matter with you? It's like she said. I'm psychic. A seasick, more like it. Go on, Jack, my boy, let's go up on deck. We must be approaching the French coast. Some fresh air will do us all good. Take a deep breath, Jack. That'll make you feel better. Slowly, Jack. As deep as you can. You'll feel better in no time. Look, the sun's really out now. It's going to be warm. So looking forward to this holiday, Edward. Me too. Good God. What's that, Jack? 
nothing. Nothing. Oh, dear. There's something... Someone... No, he can't be. You see them, too? Holding hands. Walking on the water. Yes, yes. Bloody hell. But it's, it's probably a trick of the sunlight. Mustn't get like Jack and his dramatic ways, eh? Jack, can you see them? Um... A man and a rather big lady walking ahead of the boat on the water. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a trick of the light. It must be. No. No, I can't see anything. Maybe it's a good omen, eh, Edward? If you're going to be nice, then be nice. I am being nice. Well, that remark you made just now. What remark? You can't remember that I'm not going to remind you. And one other thing, I don't want any more references to my being fat. Fat? You're not fat. Fat. You're huge! <laughs> that was Channel Crossing by Rosemary Timperley with Nicholas Lyndhurst as Jack... Peter Salis as Edward, and Patsy Rowlands as Francis. Gregory and Annabelle were played by Gregory de Poulnay and Sonia Fraser. Other parts were members of the cast. It was a BBC World Service drama production directed by Derek Hodenos.